for one church per today. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your friends, your families, and your homes. Is that awesome or what? Diana said, it is a call to war, not a time to be complacent or comfortable, but to take risks. Get out of your comfort zones and fight. Wow. Does that excite you, Pastor Paul? I mean, after everything you preached and declared last week, it's time to fight. And Paul went on to say, and you have to know how to pray in order to win. So if you have issues going on in your life and in your world, the only way these circumstances will change is when you begin dealing with the principalities and powers of the kingdom of darkness. That's what he was calling to out of Ephesians, saying that we have got to take up our authority and, and go to war and wrestle against the principalities and powers that are coming against us. You know, I was watching one of the Narnia movies again this last week, and there is a moment where the children are getting ready to go on a mission into the darkness, and a wise man warns them before they do. And he says, to defeat the darkness out there, you must what? (laughs) You must first defeat the darkness within. And all of them, all of those characters were going to be tested in a, in a particular way. The enemy was going to come and try and tempt them onto his side. And so they had to fight the darkness within them first. And I believe this is what God was trying to remind us of with the vision that Danny shared with us at the end of the sermon. So I'm going to quote to you exactly what Danny shared last week. He said, Last Sunday morning, when he was preparing in prayer, I had a vision of a house, and all the windows were open in the house. As he asked the Lord about what that meant, he was reminded of his mom a week or so ago in the house at night, and his mom said, it's so cold in here. Why is it cold? And then he says she looked around, And didn't see anything, so she sits down, and she said it again. She said, it's cold. And then she looks um, to the side, and she notices the big glass door is open um, to the backyard, and all the cold air is coming in. And so when Danny asked the Lord, what does this mean? He said that God revealed this to him. Sometimes we let the cold, the darkness, into our houses, whether it's ignorance or not wanting to know, we leave our windows and our doors open, and then instead of asking why it's cold, we just say, it is cold. You need to learn how to pray for discernment to see which one of the windows are open, and you need to learn how to pray, to read your Bible, and you need to gather with Christians to help you shut all the windows and doors in your house so that you can be protected, and God's heat can come in and fill that home instead of the heat escaping and leaving through the doors. And God wants to unpack this more specifically for us today. I'm going to share a sermon with you 
um, that we've actually listened to part of before. I don't know, it was a year or two years ago where I shared part of this sermon on a video. Some of you may recognize it as quite potent, but I want to share more of the sermon today because it deals specifically with this issue of open windows that Danny had in his vision. So we're going to start. He actually starts his message in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to read that first. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. If you don't have your Bibles, come on, people. Get out your phone. Get out your Bible. You need this. This is your sword. Bring your sword to church. (laughs) All right, Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and it says, Once you were dead, doomed forever because of your many sins. You used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Other versions will say, in the sons of disobedience. All of us used to live that way. Following the passions and desires of our evil nature, we were born with an evil nature, and we were under God's anger just like everyone else. And in the message we're about to hear, he begins to describe our four main enemies. The first one out of this scripture is the world. And he describes it as the evil system within our world that tries to seduce us and bring us away from the Lord. So that would be stuff like Facebook. That's not necessarily an evil thing in and of itself, but we can become addicted to this thing in the world, and it draws us away from spending time with God because we're spending so much time on Facebook. That's the world that lures us away. Second enemy we have, obviously from this scripture, is the devil. Here we hear him described as the prince of the air. He's at work in the spiritual realm, and his strategy is to try and block your connection to God and God's connection to you. The devil's strategic place is not in hell. It's in the spiritual realm between us And God in heaven, and he wants to block your prayers. And Jesus, however, he's given us the power to throw him out of the air and under our feet. That's part of what this journey is all about, helping us to move into that place of putting the enemy under our feet. So we're going to pick up in the video as he begins speaking about our third enemy. And then he's going to share with us eight open windows. Okay, he's literally using the same language as Danny did in his vision. So he's going to talk about eight windows. And most of them he kind of just highlights. He doesn't go into a lot of detail about them. One of the things that Danny said in his, in his vision was that we need to ask for discernment about which windows are open. So part of what's going to be happening this morning is even though he might not go into detail about that open window, the Holy Spirit is going to highlight it to you and say, that's the window that's open in your life. That's the window you need to work on shutting this morning and in your life, and in your journey with me. 
And so as the Holy Spirit highlights those, you say, okay, Lord, I'm open. My heart's open. I know I need to deal with this darkness within me that you are saying is an open window for the enemy to come in and kill, steal, and destroy in my life. All right, so we're going to watch the video. And I will just mention one other thing before we go. The other word that was given to me, um, actually by Deb, was um, not a word, but so much as a number. She said, I got the number 222, 222, which happens to be a significant number for me personally. But also, when I was getting this video ready and I was doing the editing, I realized that the place he had me start in the video for us this morning, after the fact, was 222. So it was like he was putting his stamp of approval. Are you hearing this? Okay, this is God orchestrating for us to hear this sermon this morning. So let's listen to it, and then we are going to respond to the word by ending with communion together and, and um, encourage you. We're going to use that time to close any windows that God might be revealing through the video or anything else that he might be bringing to your heart and mind because the Holy Spirit can just use this time. It might not even be anything that's said, but he will be revealing things in your own heart and life that need to be brought out into the open, out into the light this morning, and we can deal with those things as we come to communion. And receive the grace that we just sung about in that last song. Amen? Amen. Welcome to One Church Perth. Welcome to One Church So we see the third thing here is the sons of disobedience as one of our enemies. Now, I understand the sons of disobedience. These are people who are not just living in life of disobedience once in a while. They have perfected it to such a degree that it has become their identity. They become sons of disobedience. They're not just doing it once in a while. They, they're living their life. And now we love all people, even the sons of disobedience. But you must understand this reason why it's our enemy. is because it says in here, and the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. If disobedience is just an act, it's just an act. If disobedience has become a habit, there is a spirit that works behind sons of disobedience. The same way there is a spirit that works behind the sons of God, there is a spirit that works behind the sons of disobedience. They're not just doing it on their own. And if you are here in this room today and maybe you find yourself in a category of the son of disobedience, I can tell you one thing about you. There's a lot of things you do you don't want to do. And you can't stop. Why? There's a spirit that works behind 
in the sons of disobedience at first it started with a cigarette it started with a bottle it started with the nightclub it started with one playboy magazine but after an act became a lifestyle a habit and the demons work in the sons of disobedience so that's a reminder to us who you surround yourself with because many times like the testimony we've heard you can be surrounded by sons and daughters of disobedience we love them but it's the demons that work behind them that will seek to attack you Adam didn't fall into sin because he was deceived Adam fell into sin because he hanged out with someone who was deceived which happened to be his wife when Satan couldn't confront Jesus in the wilderness he used Peter to try to get to Jesus Satan will always use those people close to you if they happen not to be sons of God but sons of disobedience to attack you. This doesn't mean that you have to disconnect yourself from them but maybe temporarily distance yourself. And people say but, but I have the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost affects me. It's interesting when you put in a, in a, in a bundle or you put on a table uh, 20 good apples and one rotten apple. 20 apples will not make the rotten apple good apple. If you are just coming out of that lifestyle, the best thing to do is to leave the rotten apple away from you. And this idea that I'm going to win them to the Lord, because they are deeper in sin than you are in God, they'll win you over to the world. Once you get deeper in the Lord that they are in sin, see they're committed to drinking, you're not committed to prayer. They don't miss a nightclub, you miss night prayer. They're deeper in sin than you are in Christ. They will pull you over. And quoting the scripture 300 miles per hour and having a bumper sticker is not going to save you there. It's who's deeper in that situation. And when you get deeper in the Lord, then you have more influence. That's why in the beginning, your priority has to be to be linked in the home group, to be linked in prayer and the word of God and to stay away because this could be a reason Satan will use to attack your life. And number four is the lust. It's our flesh. One of the enemies that we have is our flesh. It's not necessarily demonic. It's just the, I always say the flesh is the devil's gift on your birthday. And unfortunately all of us have unwrapped it and have been <laughs> tormented by it. And you can't cast out the flesh. You can't come to prayer line so we get rid of it. Uh, the only way you deal with the flesh is you crucify it and you submit your life to the word of God. Amen. I want to take a moment right now and deal with something that is, this is the foundational message today concerning the spiritual warfare. The Bible says don't give place to the devil and this speaks, speaks I'm sorry speaks to Christians that means Christians are capable of giving place to the devil. Last year around summer uh, we all had a service in the park and I had people that lived with us and one of the requirements that anyone who, anybody who lived with us I always asked them please lock the windows and not just close the windows but lock the windows because how many you know you can close the window and not lock the window and so I, I check one of the rooms and I find out the window is open wide open and I see fingerprints like a, like a glove prints on the walls right away and the, the screen is removed and I quickly realized that our house got broken into one of the reasons I realized the house was broken into is because the car was missing <laughs> it's kind of duh I look through my stuff and I see all of our drawers are open and for the first time I felt it almost feels like you're being violated when you just realize somebody went through your stuff. Nothing was taken except the car and the car happened not to be mine. So there was a sense of relief. <laughs> 
and the car was supposed to be given to somebody and so if you can switch that's actually the guy that's the car that the person uh, took and this car parked in downtown Pasco there with a note inside of the car and I want you to see the note I'm sorry for stealing now unfortunately Satan is a thief he will you will never experience this with Satan that's what I'm going to tell you right away but the person who stole in my house and broke into my house was studying me they knew they watched for nobody to be there and they got me figured out and it took me once or someone in my house once to make a mistake this person didn't attack me I've never seen him physically and I have never seen him before never since him afterward he never stabbed me he never urged me the only thing he did he slipped into a window that was open took something and left it's interesting when Jesus talked about Satan he says one of the first characteristics of Satan is he comes to steal as a thief he remains anonymous as a thief his goal is not to stay but to steal see satan comes to kill that's when the demonic oppression and demonic possession comes in but the first strategy of satan if he cannot possess you and oppress you and torment you he wants to sneak in take stuff and leave that's why sometimes you will feel like something is missing in my life you know what's missing it's whatever satan took how did he take it there was an open door the Bible gives us at least 10 different windows to your personal life and your soul and I want to mention them today not just to but maybe to if you're noticing something is missing in your life to maybe to double check is this part of my life open to demonic influence and if it's not to just reinforce one of the reasons we don't sin as Christians it's not just so we stay away from jail and we don't go to hell and all this stuff the reason why we we don't sin as Christians is so Satan stays away from us if there is no heaven and hell if there is no eternity I would still not want to sin just because I don't want to have a thief in my house the same way I keep my windows and doors locked why because I want safe things in my house to be safe and so the first open door that many times is mentioned in the Bible and that is occult. That is the biggest one. Horoscopes, Ouija boards, dream catchers, talking to the dead, uh, all kinds of uh, Ouija boards and connecting with the dead, a levitation and, and every shape and form of occult. Any teaching or a religion that does not believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord is an occult. Is an occult. They might be good people but deceived. Number two, the open door is disrespect for parents. Bible clearly indicates contempt for your parents is open door for curse. You can mark my word, no one who dishonors their parents will have a blessed life. You can have a PhD dishonoring your parents but not a blessing. On your life there's a curse. The Bible clearly states that you may say that's an Old Testament and everything. It's all over the Bible where disrespect for your parents is an open door for the devil. He might not oppress you and possess you but he will take stuff. Number three, open door is injustice to weak and helpless. It's when you hurt the needy or people who are weak. I definitely believe if you commit abortion, you open the door to the demonic. God can forgive you but you need to renounce that and you need to find freedom and reinforce your life by never doing it again because it's a murder. It's hurting someone who is weak and helpless 
and that is an open door for the demonic intrusion. The next one is illicit unnatural sex or incest. It's when people participate in sex that is not natural, illicit and the Bible mentions here things like you know sleeping with your mother or sleeping with your sister or sleeping the things that are just unnatural and things that are illicit and especially uh, having uh, physical relationships with animals. The next one is anti-semitism. If you notice that in your family or even in yourself you have you have this contempt or you have this hate toward the Jews or disrespect for the Jews I truly believe you really need to double check how you became a Christian because every author of this book is Jewish your savior is Jewish he was born to a Jewish people and so and he's coming back not to America New York Washington DC he's coming back to Jerusalem and the Bible says the whole history is going to be around that nation and so you might not be part of that nation you might not understand that nation but you have to have deep respect for that nation because that brings the blessing of God in your life can somebody say amen the next open door and that we need to reinforce is accursed things. It's when you and I invite things into our house that have been dedicated to Satan and demons in the form of charms, in the form of dream catchers, in the form of things that have been, Bible calls it, abominable or cursed. They've been dedicated to Satan and demons. If you bring them, especially objects that you pick up on your traveling or you pick up sometimes on Indian reservation and things that have been accursed, they can bring sickness, they can bring disease and they can bring nightmares and other attacks of Satan in your life. Sometimes actually there are accursed places. Places where somebody committed suicide or places where murder happened could become haunted. Demons, they get locked in that place and anyone who moves in there, they seek to torment. For us as Christians, it's very easy. If you have a title did for that place anointing oil anointing water any other that's anointed you come boom, 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 and you tell the devil you're not paying bills get out and that's it and you take authority over that and you live for the glory of God I remember when me and my wife we bought our second duplex and we moved in there and it was a drug house I checked the title make sure that they didn't have a lean toward the, the duplex and they said the lean is clean but the whole neighborhood knew this is where they did drugs I even know some people who got saved in the church who did drugs in my previous duplex so I knew it was a drug house and so we took a uh, spray we sprayed it with with uh, vinegar first then I sprayed it with anointing water vinegar for, was for the walls and anointing water was for the spirits and so we cleaned it up as we started to clean the house I found out that in the basement there was a hole and a dead cat was buried there and so I didn't I sent somebody else to take it out and so we took it out I remember I sprayed it and I knew that there was something unnatural about that so I took the anointing water sprayed it and, and, and anointing oil and everything and I just dedicated that house and everything unclean and I know God on purpose allowed us to find that cat to remove every cause of it because the last thing I wanted is sleep there and have nightmares and all kinds of demonic things that happen in my life it's my house we pay the bills and we're going to enjoy God's blessing but we have to remove the accursed things can somebody say amen the next thing that opens the door is stealing and perjury. On your home group, you will read the Zechariah chapter 5 verse 4 where God says, person who steals will have a curse on their house and that the frame of their house is going to fall apart. It's actually crazy how stealing, perjury, taking stuff that's not yours destroys your finances your retirement and everything that you have and it's an open door if you steal whether it's cyber stealing whether it's shoplifting whether it's just taking things from your boss that, that you don't uh, that you don't um, earn you must understand that is an open door for a demonic intrusion he might not possess you or torment you but he will take the opportunity to steal things from you and God doesn't want that to happen the next one is stinginess toward God we hear that verse all the time the next one is offense 
the bible says the person who was had unforgiveness was delivered to torturers and tormentors and today in this message i just want to take a moment and pause on the last one murmuring if you have your bible i'm going to read in numbers chapter 21 verse 4 until verse 6 then they journey from mount hor by the way of the red sea to go around the land of edom and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way and the people spoke against God and against Moses why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness for there is no food and there is no water and our soul loathes this worthless bread and the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit people and many of the Israel people of Israel died I genuinely believe I'm not talking about occasional murmuring I'm talking about a murmuring that has become part of your character that opens the door to demonic write this down murmuring or complaining does to Satan what worship does to God God inhabits the praises of his people Satan inhabits the complaints of his people God seeks such that worship him in spirit and in truth. Satan seeks that 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 complain to him and grumble and whine. What worship does to God, grumbling, complaining, whining does to Satan. It's an open invitation for a snake bite. You might not have a snake in you, but it will you will have it bite you. It's important to see this that murmuring and complaining is a character issue not a circumstance issue Israel had more miracles happen to them in the wilderness than many of us will ever ever experience in our life it's interesting none of the miracles ever fixed their complaining problem the problem wasn't with circumstances the problem was with character it took one thing not to show up on time and they go again whining and complaining and complaining and whining and I want you to remember today that your character is not made up because of your circumstances it's a byproduct of your choices to blame your character on your circumstances is to blame your mirror for your bad hair Your mirror only reflects that you have a bad hair. Your mirror didn't make it like that. Your circumstances only reflect that you are a complaining person. It didn't make you a complaining person. And Israel complained, 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 complained. And this was their character. And yes, they always blame the circumstances. Anytime people blame the circumstances, anytime people throw a self-pity party, anytime people live in this woe little me, all of that is a character. It's not your life situation problem. And your character is a result of your choices. Your character is a result of your choices. And the first change will happen, how your character gets changed, if you stop excusing your attitude and blaming it on your circumstances. Your life might be tough, your life might be rough, but at the same time it is your character. And that character opens the door for the demonic. Having a conversation with Bob Larson, he told me something that really puzzled me. He said, Vlad, two people can commit same sins, even a cult. They can be, two people can be involved in a cult. One person quickly just repents and everything is done with. The other person, he said, will have a demon tormented for the rest of their life 
And I said, well, what is the secret? He says, emotional and mental weakness. He says, I've dealt with over 30,000 demonic cases and I can tell you one thing. If people grew up and inside of them there is that healthy emotional strength. He says, De demons are repelled by that. He says, you have to understand, demons respect human will. They respect human choice and they respect strong character. That's why you see people who are ungodly many times who will not even have demons because there's a strong character that is full of positivity and it repels demonic serpents. Demons are attracted to complaining people. And maybe you excuse yourself today and you say, the reason I am negative, the reason why I complain, the reason I whine all the time is because my life is tough. I have a newsflash, you won't like it what I'm going to say. But the reason why you're a complaining person, because you are a complaining person. That's all. This manna that God gave them, that was a miracle. You know what they said about it? Worthless. Why? Because when you're a complaining person, you look for things to complain. You, you could praise God for a man that it's angel's food. You say it's worthless. Why? Because a complaining person like a, like a magnet only gravitates and finds things to complain about. And unfortunately, not only you're hard to live with, not only you, it's hard to have you as a sibling, it's hard to have you as a spouse, it's hard to have you as a child, not only it's hard to have you as an employee or an employer, it's good to have you in the kingdom of darkness. Satan and demons, we see clearly, fiery serpents started to bite complaining people. You know what happened when they bit them? They became poisoned. Remember this, complaining tolerated is faith contaminated. The way these demons hurt you is they contaminate you inside. Where your faith is contaminated, you don't see beyond your present situation. You don't see beyond your sickness. You don't see beyond what somebody said. You literally, you're stuck. The time is ticking. You're stuck. Everything moves forward except you. And what those demons do, they infuse you with poison. They contaminate your faith. And when your faith is contaminated, you're disillusioned. You're disoriented. You're confused. Everything is dark. You can be in the same situation as other people, but you're lost. The only way to fix complaining. The only way to fix complaining is to replace it with thanksgiving. That's all. There is no deliverance. You can't be delivered from this. You can only make a choice to be thankful. Bible says in Thessalonians this. In everything. You have a job or you don't. People like you or they don't. You got laid off or you got promoted. You're sick or you're healthy. The doctor's report came positive or negative. In everything see God knows what opens the door for the demonic and God is warning us and he is encouraging us he says not for everything but in everything you feel good or you don't feel good in everything give thanks for this is the will of God you want to know God's will for your life praise him in everything you want to know what God wants you to do in this season of your life thank him in everything See, most of us say Thanksgiving is only for something. But God says Thanksgiving is in everything. You know what we're thankful for? In Psalm, Psalm helps us to understand. In Psalm 100 verse 5, it says this. Enter into his gates with Thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. This scripture revolutionized my praise. Because like many of us in here, I thank God because I have a house, 
mortgage paid for my car didn't break down beautiful wife I have a ministry my health is good uh, gaining new followers every day on Instagram praise be to God that's a very big praise report everybody seems to like me I have a watch that I like I have a phone that I like and I have everything nice and so that is what I'm thankful for to God the problem with that kind of a thanksgiving it takes my phone to fall from my hand on the ground and my thanksgiving went down with it and God says in here what to thank him for one of the reasons we don't thank God is because we thank God majorly for wrong things he says to thank him for this for the Lord is good see we're thanking God because I am good we thank God because my health is good my finances is good my relationship is good but sometimes when it's not good God says still thank me because the Lord is good I feel good I don't feel good but God is still good can somebody say amen and then he says this his mercy is everlasting that means my situation is not everlasting my situation will not last my sickness will not last even if I don't get healed when I die my sickness will die with me my problem will not last God's mercy is everlasting and then he says and his truth endures to all generation that means nothing will endure in my life except God's truth what God says about me will endure that's why you have to praise that's why you have to thank if you don't develop a character of gratefulness and thankful to God you develop a sour this face the demons are you come to church and demon says, ah, we got one today. We got one. They'll sit in church and we'll still hurt them. You can be on the worship team and have a bad heart. Character. You can be in the leadership team and have that character. It takes one small thing. One thing pastor said. One thing somebody did. Somebody said or somebody gossiped and that's it. And your face is sucked out. Somebody took a vacuum and took all of that stuff out. Because you're never really thankful to God because He is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generation. You are thankful to God because you have a job and because you have clothes and because people like you. And that is a wrong reason to thank God for. Your character must be avoid empty of complaining because that opens the money even if you like to complain you cannot take the chance because demons will come to you they will you will feel that in your soul spirit of heaviness spirit of fear and spirit of depression in the conclusion of this message I want you to read with me Genesis I want you to see the other side right now not demons but I want you to see something about angels Genesis 31 and verse 10 and it happened at the time when the flocks conceived I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream and behold the rams which leaped upon the flocks were how do you pronounce that word that's right that's like that speckled and gray spotted and the angel of God spoke to me in a dream saying Jacob and I said here I am he said lift your eyes now and see Jacob is in a similar situation that Israel was in not only he was born second it wasn't his fault he got one birthright he got the blessing he's leaving his father's house escaping for his life he finally got a little breakthrough he met the woman of his dream he helped her out he said something they probably he should have not said he promised to work for her for seven years not a good idea but nevertheless he was in love he worked for seven years they seemed like a few days on the first night he sleeps with her wakes up in the morning finds out it's her sister talk about bad disappointment you think you had a disappointment now that is a disappointment the worst disappointment is he ended up being married to both of them life can't get worse than that 
two sisters who were birthing children to compete for his attention. They didn't even want children. They just want his affection. And one is mad at the other one and they're fighting between themselves. And this is how Jacob lives. And then finally when this stuff gets sorted out, he's about to catch a break. And Laban, his boss, the employer, tricks him, dupes him ten different times. He can't take him to court. He doesn't have a lawyer. And he's stuck. Now if you've been that duped, lied to and deceived in your life, I'm pretty sure your head is going to be down. But Jacob in this scripture we see, Jacob said this, I lifted my eyes and I saw a dream. You know what I saw in the dream? He says, I saw in a dream the very sheep that Laban said will be mine. I saw that the best sheep, they were this kind of color. They were this kind of stripes. I saw a dream. Jacob, how could you see a dream when the only thing you've been seeing in your life is disappointment? See, Laban took my years, but not my focus. The devil can take things in your life, but it's still your choice to keep your focus. You can lift your eyes and you can see a dream. It's interesting that the next verse, it says, The angel of the Lord came to Jacob and said, Jacob, lift your eyes and see the dream. And that angel produced a miracle where Jacob received exactly what he saw and from that point on Jacob's life the scales tipped and his life started to change. I want to tell you something today every person in this room has a dream only few of us actually see it in front of us because you have to lift your eyes You've been lied to, duped, deceived, undermined. You've had this addiction you couldn't break. You feel you're unattractive. You may be ugly. You maybe don't have enough education. You were born on the side, on the wrong side of the family. You haven't met your biological parents. Whatever the situation is, you can murmur and complain and whine and snakes will bite you. Or you can in the midst of years of years and decades of failure, disappointment, you can lift your eyes and you say, devil, you can take anything you want to take in my life, but you won't take my focus. And you see the dream. Everybody has a dream. But it's time to see the dream in your eyes. When you close your eyes, what do you see? I remember when I was in, in Spokane last Friday. And the moment we started to worship, I closed my eyes. And I see a line of wheelchairs. And I see them getting up. I open my eyes and I close them again. And literally that's an image that started to get imprinted. Of people getting up out of wheelchairs of rows. I don't see that happening right now. But you can lift your eyes and see a new vision. A vision of people getting out of wheelchairs. For me, people being saved by hundreds and thousands. For you, it's paying off your debt. For you, maybe it's being healthy. For you, maybe it's getting married. You have to see a dream, not just have it on your phone. And that attracts the angels of God. The angels of God come and say, Jacob, listen up. I'm going to help you because you have a dream. Angels don't help those who have a nightmare. Satan can send you a nightmare at night ship it back to him in the morning and you raise your eyes and look and see a dream can somebody say amen it's interesting because Jacob did not see what he wanted to not happen Jacob saw what he wanted to happen I found out this about faith faith is not what you don't want to happen in your life faith is what you do want to happen in your life 
anytime your faith is this I just I just hope he doesn't leave me we just started today I just hope he doesn't leave me we just got married I just hope he doesn't cheat on me that's not faith that's inviting demons that's fear that's reacting toward your fears but when you begin to expect the best the Bible says faith is substance of things hoped for not things feared of I just hope I don't get sick that's not what God is talking about here it's when you look and you say I just hope I live 120 and thousands of people get healed through me that is the faith God is looking for angels are attracted by dreams demons are drawn to complaining what is your character some lights please God has a dream for this nation great south land of the Holy Spirit and he has a dream for your life that is part of his dream and he is calling out to us saying it is a call to war it's not a time to be complacent or comfortable, but to take risks. Get out of your comfort zone and fight. Fight for my dream and the part you have to play in my dream. And it's time to deal with any darkness within you or your home, to deal with any open windows in the home that is your heart. And I can't think of a better time and a better place to deal with those open windows than right here at the table. I want to ask the servers to begin to come and just get ready to serve us. Can we do that? Because at this table is where we fight our battles against the powers of darkness because Jesus has already gone before us and fought on our behalf and won. Every plan and scheme the devil has to kill, steal, and destroy in my life has been dealt with here at the cross where his blood was shed and his body was given. This table is where our fighting has to begin because it's a place where all our open windows are dealt with. Amen? It's a place where we find grace and mercy and forgiveness for any of the open windows we might have in our lives. It's the place where we ask for forgiveness and we receive it. It's the place where the blood of Jesus speaks a better word over us, and that word is mercy. Where God chooses to give us what we don't deserve and withhold from us what we do deserve. It's where we declare the blood of Jesus saves us, heals us, delivers us from the kingdom of darkness. One of my favorite songs at the moment declares these truths. You can start playing it. It starts by saying, there is a table that you have prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. It's your body and your blood that you shed for me. And this is how I fight my battles. Today we're going to invite you to use the weapon of communion 
to fight your battles against the powers of darkness and to shut some windows that have been open in your heart, in the home of your heart. All we got to do is come with humility and repentance, confessing any open window the Lord has been speaking to you about. Ask Him for forgiveness and receive the mercy and grace that He has for you. Will you bow your heads with me and as just going to let them continue to serve and just listen to this song. to repeat that phrase. Can you leave the music up? As you hold the cup and the bread in your hands, this is how I fight my battles. When we take the bread and the cup, we are declaring to the heavenly realms Jesus died for me. Jesus shed his blood for me. Jesus forgives me. Jesus heals me. Jesus cleanses me. Jesus has defeated the works of the devil and disarmed the powers and authorities. Jesus is victorious over sin and death, and I am with him. I am following him. I belong to him. And it may look like The devil is surrounding me, but in reality, I'm surrounded by him. I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by him. It may look like you're surrounded, you're surrounded by him. Sing it out. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by him. I'm sorry. 
I invite you right now, just begin to ask the Lord for forgiveness for any open windows in your life, any open windows in your home. I'm just going to pray a prayer and encourage you to pray it along with me or pray your own prayer. Father, forgive me for any open windows in my life. I give you permission to reveal any and all of these to me in the coming days. Show me the open windows. Help me deal with them and help me deal with the powers of darkness lurking in and around my own heart. Forgive us. Forgive us for any complaining and murmuring that we have given into. Forgive us for any of the other open windows, any sexual immorality. Forgive us for anything that we have participated in the occult. Forgive us for being stingy in our giving to you, God, and to your kingdom. Forgive us wherever we have been disrespectful to our parents. Forgive us wherever we have neglected or hurt or done injustice to the weak and helpless in our lives. Forgive us wherever we might have stolen anything. Forgive us for any unforgiveness in our hearts towards others. And we ask, um, we were asked this morning during worship, what do you see when you look at the cross? And we sang a song that says when we look at the cross, we say freedom. And we see grace. That's what I want you to lift your eyes to right now. As I declare that as we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to bring victory to our lives. As we eat the bread right now, we receive your forgiveness. We receive your mercy. We receive your grace. We receive your healing. We receive your power to overcome. We receive the freedom that you died and gave your life for us. And we thank you for it. Let's eat together. Let's receive. Receive that victory. Receive that life-giving presence right now. And we take the cup. And we thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood for us even when we were still sinners. We now receive all the blessings your blood won for us. I receive the blood to wash over me body, soul, and spirit, to purify me, to cleanse me in my conscience. I declare that I am reconciled to God because of the blood of Jesus. I declare I have peace with God 
because of the blood of Jesus. I declare that all the powers of darkness are disarmed over my life right now because of the blood of Jesus. I declare the works of the devil have been destroyed wherever he's been at work to kill, steal, and destroy my life. And I declare angels are being released on my behalf to drive out, pursue, and afflict the enemy of my soul and to create an open heaven over me that I might receive a fresh filling of your spirit right now. Let's drink with a thankful heart and receive the forgiveness of our sins that his blood may possibly. Come Holy Spirit, we just fill us right now. Come, Holy Spirit, empower, fill whatever places in us that need to be filled. Any places that have been empty or occupied by things of this world. And ask the worship team if you would come. We're going to close with the song that we started with today. Yes and amen. It talks about the faithfulness of God. And there might be some of you here today who need prayer in regards to some of those open doors. During this song, we just want to pray over you and just reinforce what we have just prayed now. And deal with anything else the Lord might need to deal with in your life that he's revealed or he might have opened up. And we're just going to declare together yes and amen to the promises of God that he declares from the cross and as a result of his death and his resurrection. Thank you, Candice. Thank you, Pastor Candice. Um, you know, uh, midway through the message, um, I just felt a prompting from the Holy Spirit that, you know, it's our, it's our custom to give a love offering to guest ministers and to bless the ministries that come through our doors. And um, I just really f- felt prompted by the Holy Spirit that we can take up an offering for Candice um, today and just bless her. Um, it's her birthday in a month's time, so maybe you can get ahead of the, the curve and bless her for her birthday. Um, but yeah, I, I believe maybe even for somebody in regards to, to stinginess, this is an opportunity to really go in the opposite spirit, um, that God might be wanting to nudge you in this way. Um, but also we just believe in Candice and we've, we've really released her and sent her to the city and the state as our missionary to establish the house of prayer. And it's a tough job. Um, as anyone trying to run prayer meetings can tell you, um, it's, they're not the most well-attended of meetings across the city. So uh, you have to be incredibly diligent and persevering to see that flourish. And we want to encourage Candace at every turn. So thank you, Sean. Thank you, Fee. If you can just send the bags around, if you want to give an offering, go for it. If you want to use FPOS, you can. Thanks. I want to encourage you if you do want to respond in prayer 
in humility to the word today. Come forward and let's pray together. James says that if we confess our sins one to another, we'll be, we'll be healed. And maybe that's something you need to do today. God bless you.
So as we've gone through that period of prayer and reflection, you know, God is opening up his blessing over your life and releasing it over your life. So if you haven't repented and you are stubbornly refusing the nudging of the Holy Spirit, you're robbing yourself of a blessing, please don't do that. Stop, turn, turn back to God, be humble, surrender, and watch how he will flood you with joy and peace and goodness and blessings of every kind. And uh, that's my prayer over you, that you'd be blessed in every way from Psalm 67 this morning, that you would be so blessed that the world around you would see how blessed you are. I pray that that would be your week and uh, that you would walk in that this week. And I just want to give a little advert for next Sunday. It's Pentecost Sunday, okay? Um, That is the Sunday when the Holy Spirit fell on the church in such a powerful and dramatic way and gave them the power, dunamis power, dynamite power, to change the world. And uh, that power is still alive and well and present and available for us today. And we're going to preach and worship next Sunday. And um, we're going to walk in the fullness of our inheritance as the church that receives the power of the Holy Spirit. So spend this week preparing for next Sunday. Because we are going to... We're going to enter into God's presence through our worship and our singing, and it is going to be a cracker. So um, please get ready. Spend the week waiting on the Lord for your personal Pentecost, and uh, we'll come together and set everything on fire around us. Amen? Good on you. Well done. Well, God bless you. Have a great week. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you, worship team.